to Dan Malloy's Personal Power Podcast. Get ready to up your communication and commitment game. Hear from those who have succeeded using Dan's program. And now, here's Dan Malloy. Good afternoon. Uncle Dan here from our studios in Park Ridge, New Jersey. I got a fabulous guest here today with us, Mr. Max Gardner, who's a a relatively new friend and client of, of mine uh, from uh, the Greensboro area in North Carolina, and today we're going to get to know him. He's, a, he's an interesting guy. He's, he's got a, a business that's growing by leaps and bounds, and, and I really, what I'm passionate about is, is really trying to understand what makes people like Max tick. So, <laughs> are you ready, Max? I'm ready, Dan. You're ready? All right, cool. Yes, tell, tell, me, tell me, here's what I like to start off with. First of all, uh, just share with us where, where you're from, what, what it was like growing up in that area, a little bit about your family, and well, let's just start off. I want to learn a little bit about what makes you tick and why you think you can do what you're doing. That's of tremendous interest to me. Well, I grew up probably... Uh, Right around here in Greensboro, a little rural area uh, north of Greensboro, North Carolina. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, two sisters and my grandmother lived beside of us, you know, just kind of a small, small area. And, and uh, thought we had a pretty boring life, but we had a pretty good life. And uh, uh, so and stayed in the same area my whole life. Went into business, uh, went to work for my father after high school and worked for him for several years. And what then, was uh, the business? What was the, the, the family business? He was in the tire and automotive business. All right. Okay, cool. So the, in your business now, you, you own, Max owns five stores in uh, North Carolina, and, uh, and but you've doubled in size in the last two years, correct? Yes. Yeah, so we've, we've uh, in the actually in the last seven years, we have built two stores and acquired two stores. So wow. we've, we've, uh, 500%, we're kinda, 500% growth. Move. Yeah. You're on the move. That's fabulous. Fabulous. So what, what was it like growing up? Were you, were you, what did you do as a, as a boy? You know, I played all the sports, played football and, and, and played a little baseball and, and, and basketball and wrestled and, and uh, you know, around where I was at, you you if you didn't hunt and fish, you didn't have didn't have anything else to do. So you did that and just just kind of knocked around the woods. And you know, we had a great life. We forts in the woods and and all those neat things. That's so, funny you should say that because it was like that for me in New Jersey too. <laughs> you don't think of New Jersey, but that's what we did yeah. all summer long. We we didn't have hunting. That's the one thing we did not have. When I grew up, but we had lots of fishing, and we we spent all our summers as young boys in the woods, uh, building tree houses and forts and everything like that, and, and uh, traipsing around in the in the little rivers that we had running through town. It's yeah, funny. we probably we probably fought, fought some of the same villains, you know, <laughs> in the woods, and and, uh, and it was a wonderful wonderful time growing up. I mean. I, you know, the rule was that uh, you had to be at home before dark. And they just threw you was, out, right? That they, <laughs> that was 
I, who was I just talking about somebody about that, about uh, helicopter parents? You know, uh, back, did your, your folks watch over you at all, or did they just throw you out of the house and say, <laughs> Well, you know, we kind of got ran out of the house. I mean, you know, you were, you know, the deal was you weren't going to be around. You had a few chores you had to do. It wasn't that much, but, uh, you know, there, and, and I don't think we had the same things back then that, that kept us in the house. I mean, you couldn't watch TV 24 seven and, and, uh, there were, there were board games and stuff like that, but there, you know, you didn't have computers. It's just we did everything outside. Right. Everything was outside. Everything. Get up and go. Go play some kind of ball or whatever. What? Yeah. Um, when, when did you start working? Well, I started working. I started working on a farm whenever I was about 13 years old, uh, taking care of cows and and uh, hauling hay and feeding cows and fixing fence and stuff like that. Uh, and, and that's what, that's went, a job that you got paid for. Yeah, yeah, I got paid a dollar an hour. <laughs> good, for, <laughs> good for you. Well, it's something. Good money. It's something. <laughs> what, what 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 time frame was that? What years are you talking about? That would have been that would have been like seventy. Let me see, seventy six. Nineteen seventy six. Okay. Yep. There you go. A dollar an hour. Good for you. Work on yeah. the farm. And when did you go? Uh, tell me about working for your dad. What was that like? Well, I started working for him some whenever I was in high school. I mean, I'd always, he'd take me to work sometimes and kind of hang out. And we had a recapping plant. And so oh. when, I, when I was in high school, I started working for him on weekends and during the summer. And, uh, and so I'd work in the recapping plant. Uh, it, and when I say a plan, it wasn't a big operation. It, uh, it was a very small, you know, we probably only had about 30 or 40 different moles that we recapped with, but I would help out in that operation and, uh, and then started helping in the shop and started doing some mechanic work. But I really didn't get into that until after I graduated high school. Mm -hmm. And what, what made you think, I mean, did you always want to go into your own business or did you want to work for somebody else? Well, how did that all come about? You know, I, I guess Dan, I actually, I never wanted to go into the tire business whenever I was in high school. I, I wanted anything but that. And really? Yeah. I think that maybe because, you know, we kind of grown up with it and, and it was, you know, it was what, what we did and what we talked about. And I just said, you know, I just, maybe it was cause what my dad did. It was some, not something I was interested in, but I did it for, to help him and help with the, you know, get some, some money for myself. You know, I needed some money to date on. So that was the most important thing. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, you need money to put, keep your car on the road and <laughs> so you could go yeah, that's all about on a date. And, Keep gas in my car. That was that was the most important thing: is have enough money to take a guy out on a date. And, you know, fun times. Yeah. When when and so the last thing I'd ask you is like when when did you get the idea that a you were going to go into the tire business because you didn't want to do it. And that's interesting. And uh, but then you did it. 
How come? Well, uh, and I'll, I'll just tell you, so I'd actually had worked with my dad through high school and then after high school, I went to work for him and I had another job offer and I went to work for a company and I really enjoyed working for this company, but I was traveling all the time. I mean, I traveled all the time. Okay. And as you know, traveling's fun till you have to do it for a living. Um, <laughs> right. And then it, then it's not as much fun. And uh, so I started thinking about that. And my dad came to me and he said, look, he said, I'm not going to be in this business forever. But if you want to go in this business, there's an opportunity for you. But you're going to have to come in and learn it before I'll turn it over to you. Okay. And so, so I thought about that. And I thought about the job I had and traveling all the time. And I kind of looked and said, you know, if I stay in this job, I'll just have to travel more and more and more to be able to succeed in this business. So I said, you know, why don't I just go with this and see what I can do with it? Okay. And so I went into the family business. All right. And, uh, and you had, so that was the recap, out the recap business, another uncle out. You really? Okay. Mm-hmm. Then you became the sole proprietor. No, actually, I had a cousin that that owned part of the business, and uh, and we were we talked about expanding and having multiple stores, and and at the time he was he wasn't interested, and and his dad wasn't interested, and finally I just went to him one day and I said, you know, I'm either going I'm either going to sell to you or I'm going to buy you out. You know, and and I don't care which way it goes, but I that I want to, I want a different something different than you have, and it wasn't, it wasn't anything. I mean, we we still get along very well and talk to each other, and but he decided to buy me out and keep the family business, and I went in, up to Rockingham County, which was about thirty miles north of Greensboro, and started my own business. Good for you. Where did you get the idea? Where did you get the idea in your head? I want you to see if you could go back in time and think about that when you got that idea in your head that you were going to start your own company. And the reason I want to do this, so, just before you get into that, I like this because people that are listening to this, especially young people or people that want to start their own business, I want you to understand what the thought process is and then how to go about it, because this gentleman, Max, has done it. He's been doing it for a long time now, and, uh, and over the last, he said over the last seven years, he's gone from one location to five locations. And so he's got a growing, and, and, and we've decided together, <laughs> he's, we've decided and he's decided that he wants to double the business over the next four years. So he wants to turn it into, from a $5 million business into a $10 million business. So... And I'm, I'm, but I, I really, but it's where you start is if you don't start, <laughs> you never get to this point where you're grappling over. You want to have five stores, ten stores. You got to start. You got to get that first one. So if you could share with with listeners what what that's like, what what was that thought process like? Well, so I had been in a family business where everything was decided by committee, and. Uh, you know, we haven't known each other long, but you, you probably have known me long enough to know that that uh, I kind of like being in control of my own future. 
and in a family business, you know, whenever I, I thought that it would be a great opportunity to have multiple stores. And when you got a partner, that's a good person, but just was, does have the same ambition. Uh, I decided I had to go out on my own to do it. Yes. And, and, and I, you know, I've never set a number that I want to have two stores or I want to have 20 stores. I've never, it's just the opportunity, but I, I knew that I couldn't do it and I couldn't, I couldn't get started to where I wanted to be until I got started until I became, I was able to, to make my own decisions for myself yeah. instead of a committee of, of a family business, a family business that, that I've been, you know, in touch with over the years, family businesses are really challenging number one. And then if there's no one that's the real boss, then committees are generally impossible you know, you got to have some. That's why you know the military has conversations, but then they have a general. You know, somebody that's in charge that makes it ultimately makes the final decision. You know, so you're saying it wasn't like that in the in the business as a committee. No, it it wasn't. So we had we had two fathers, my father and and my cousin's father, who were who were still involved and. They weren't. They didn't want to put the energy into growing. And a and a cousin, even though a great guy, a wonderful guy, uh, that just that just wasn't where he wanted to do. He just did not want to have to put that much time and effort. And so that's when we split up. And I started. I started uh, Tyramax. And um, it's a good brand. And I. I it's a good brand. It. Yeah, this is. This is a great, and I like it. I mean, I, li- I really like what you have going on, obviously. I'm excited about it for you. I'm excited to be uh, working with you. We're going to take a little short break right now. That was the prelude. Now we're going to talk about, about inventing the future, you know, because it, for people, for those that are, that are listening, you, you want to start your own company, you want to start your own business. It comes down to a moment in time where you declare what you're going to do. And you say, look, I'm doing it. I'm going to do it, and I'm starting it, starting it today. And you just get started, and, and that becomes your new what you're doing. Am I right, Max? You're exactly right. I mean, you know, once you commit to it, once you once you declared it, and it, you know, I didn't quite understand the language of 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 this until I met you, Dan. Uh, but once you declare it, you know, it it becomes part of your DNA. And I think that that once you do that, uh, you know nothing's going to keep you from that. There you go. You, you do what you have to do. You, you, you weather the storms and do what you have to do because you've made a commitment to do it. Once you're in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Let's, uh, let's take a short break and we'll come back and we'll, we'll wrap it up with Max. And, and I, when we come back, I want to talk about the future. Okay. What the future looks like. And also you said to me something about, Commitment. You said, I think you're onto something here, Dan, and I, I want to see what you, what you mean by that. Absolutely. Malloy Sales Development turns companies into commitment-based operations and their employees into commitment-based people because commitment for human beings is the foundation for everything. And in business, it's mission critical. 
because the only time commerce happens in any company is when commitments are exchanged internally among employees and externally with customers and vendors. Visit us at www.malloysales.com. So we're back again. Uncle Dan here with Max Gardner. And uh, we're going to up the ante now and talk about the future and talk about commitment. And, and uh, what did you mean when you said you thought I was on to something about this whole commitment piece I talk about all the time? Well, you know, when I look at what we've just seen on the news this week and what we've seen on the news this summer, I think that the frustration that people are feeling is because they've never been involved with people who are committed to helping them. And so, you know, I think the thing that really, that really drove me to decide to go with you and your group was when we started talking about becoming a commitment based organization and declaring what we were at. And I think that's, what's going to, is going to help if if we want to fix what's going on in our world and our country, we have to have people that are committed to help people. And I've never heard it worded the way you you word it. And so I, that's why I think you're really on to something that can that can change our businesses, it can change our families, but it can also change the, the way our world looks at things if we start looking at things as a commitment base. And we we you know. We, we we make a lot of commitments. You know, I think we, you know, like we were talking about when we when we get married, we make a commitment. When we have children, we make a commitment. We make all kinds of commitments, but we never really think about it that way. Right. We don't think, um, I, I agree with you. I, I think for, for me, the aha moment is realizing that language, the language of commitment and making commitments is an act of design, an act of, inventing something. You know, and as a matter of fact, many times I, I, I reflect on this often, you know, when young people get married, the minister is the one up there that is saying all the words. You do, in fact, make a commitment, but you don't really make a commitment. It's not like the young man says to the, in front of, stands up in front of, for the most part, I mean, I'm sure it does happen, but the young man stands up in, in front of the, the entire congregation and says to his fiance, said, I want to live with you. I want to take care of you for the rest of your life. I want to grow old with you. I want to have children with you. I want to live the rest of my life with you. They don't speak like that. Not like, like they're trying to design something. You know. So, but yes, people make commitments all the time. But they don't know what they're doing. <laughs> That's right. But 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 I think when we start thinking about it that way, uh, and we start we start talking that way, it brings it so it 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 makes us decide that this is what we're going to do. It, it just gives us a whole different thought process when we say, if I'm going to make a commitment, this is not something I can not do next week. I have to do it from now on because that's what commitments are about. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's, I think that's, a, a, you know, we, 
I think it's a really great way to really get in the thought process of how we can change our future. And it's yes, not just I, about, yeah, yeah. It's not just about Tyramax. It's about our future. Yes, right. No, absolutely. You know, and uh, I think that the, that the very best that you could hope for, you've got what now, like uh, 30 employees or so? Yeah, about 35. 35 employees. I, I think that if you keep polishing this thing that we've started to build, you know, you're, you're becoming a commitment-based company and you keep polishing that and you, we keep coaching and training and teaching all your staff, your people, uh, to become powerful human beings, to come into the shop, to wake up every day, first of all, and be willing to make commitments at home by design, an act of design, an act of, an act of uh, compassion for children to take care of children, take care of their wife or spouse or husband or whatever the case might be, to just keep making those types of commitments. But then come into the, into the shop, and the minute they cro cross the threshold in the shop that they are, are willing to look you in the eye and say, Max, I'm here for you, buddy. I'm here. Whatever you need, I'm here for you. How can I help you today? What do you need for me to do? You know, and, um, uh, and then... And then Internally, but also obviously externally with, with customers, you know, to be able to be able to do that. Sure. You know, um, but I, I like to tell people that for me, because because I, I I agree wholeheartedly with what you're saying about how this digital age has kind of screwed us up a little bit, uh, or quite a bit actually, when you think about it. You say well, people don't trust. You know, it's like what's to trust online? I mean, <laughs> is there anything believable yeah. online? You know, yeah. uh, you can't trust anything. So everybody's not everybody. There's a lot of scams going on out there, and uh, it's just we've reached a point where it's just and, and people suffer about it too, Max. You know, I, I find that uh, a lot of young people suffer. They spend all their time in the digital realm, and the relationships are shallow, and there there is no commitment because you know young people. I mean, I wasn't taught. I had to figure this stuff out for myself, and I've been studying it for years and trying to figure it out. And I think I'm grounded in it now. You know, I, I understand it, and you are you see that now too for yourself. You know, and it's like, but young people are not in touch with their ability to. Um, to, to make commitments, to alter anything, to change the world. They don't understand how all that works, and they're not being taught that in school. You're in a good position in, because you, you, you were in that, uh, an elder, I would say. I, I don't know what your title is in your church, but you got a nice thing going on there. Now, talk about the church for a little bit and what, what, you're, what, you're, what that's all about for you. Yeah, so I'm, we're uh, we're members at a local uh, church here in Oak Ridge, and uh, and so we've been attending that church for about twenty years, and uh, just finished a new family life center, which is where we had our training at. Yes, uh, it was a fabulous building. Yes. Yeah, and uh, something neat about that building was. Uh, we we just completed that building about six years ago, so it was about the time I started building the Tyramax in Stokesdale. I was also on the building committee for the, that that building also, 
So, uh, but about seven years ago, we were at a basketball game with my two girls and, and this lady, we were at another church and they had a family life center. We did not. And this lady comes up to me and says, why don't we have one of these? And I said, well, what are you going to do about it? And she said, well, what are you going to do about it? (laughs) And I said, well, let's see what we can do. So we started making phone calls and talked to the leadership in the church. And they really weren't involved with it. They They just said, I don't know whether we need that or not. And so we started talking it around, and, and there was a group of people, a core group, that said, you know, we think this is a good thing. This is something that will be good for our church and community. And so I said, well, the only way we're going to sell it to the leaders is if we have enough money when we present it to say, this is what we've done. So we made about 30 phone calls and had about $600,000 worth of pledges in those 30 phone calls towards this building and so the next meeting we went down we started up and they started the same thing you know how sometimes those old people get together and all these young people don't know what they're talking about and they started that way and i said well we have six hundred thousand dollars committed and here it is (laughs) and it opened it opened their eyes and and so next thing we we started a campaign and raised about a million and a half dollars toward it and broke ground and we've enjoyed it and people people still come up to me and say, I don't know what we did without it. So, you know, there's a, there's another example where commitment, where de- decoration followed by commitment can make things happen. Yes, yes. And I, I think this is a great place for us to leave this because I know you're a very powerful guy. There's nothing, absolutely nothing, that you can't accomplish, Max. You know, and I think you're on, on the right path. Um, I'm thrilled to be working with you on this because you recreate. <laughs> I give you some of these thoughts and ideas, and you recreate it and run with it. And uh, there, there's absolutely nothing that we can't do uh, down there in uh, North Carolina. Absolutely nothing. And you're an example of that. So uh, I'm thrilled that I had this chance to get to know you a little bit better. And um, you know, thrilled that. Uh, so, what's your what's your picture? Just to share with our audience what what your picture is. You got five stores. We just started this growth initiative. I think it's going pretty good right now. We've only just started it. Uh, but what do you what do you see for yourself over the next say four year period? Well, I, I kind of, you know, there's opportunities out there that we may be able to take advantage of, uh, but we, we do want to double the size of our business, uh, double our sales. Uh, and, you know, we're glad to have you and, and your guys on our team because that's the way we're going to get here. And let me just, I just want to say something because this is so important for people to know. So we started working with with Dan's group uh, with our sales staff, and and not the whole staff, just our sales staff. And we are now having people that that are coming up, other other staff members that actually are mechanics and techs are coming up, and they're going, "What's going on here?" You know, they're seeing <laughs> something different, and they want to know what's going on. And it's because the language has changed. And 
and the way we're starting to treat each other has changed. Uh, people have time to listen and, and, and make it important to listen again. And that, that may be the most important thing we can do is make people all feel like they're part of the, the team and, and people, people want to hear, hear what they have to say. Are any of the mechanics, the technicians, going to join in on the training with us? We've talked about that. We're, we've, got, we've got two that is going to start joining us probably within the next couple of weeks. That's great. Uh, and, and we hope to bring, you know, we hope to bring more and more in because it is. I mean, I can help you with that. It's just so much more than than the words. It's it's you know it's and it is making a difference. And I certainly appreciate uh, you and your team. You know, oh, thank you, Max. Uh, Barry and Ronnie, but everybody's been great. Everybody's mm. been great. And we like to pick on Ronnie, but but uh, <laughs> he's but, he's easy to pick on. <laughs> you know what genuine what a genuine guy he is. I mean, he's the real deal. He really is. Yes. Well, listen, I want you to have have a great weekend. It's a pleasure being here with you. I'm sure people will find this interesting when they come back and listen to it again. And uh, I appreciate you. And uh, we'll catch up with you next week. All right, my friend. Thanks, have a great Max. Weekend. You too. Bye bye now.